Hello everyone, and welcome back to Family Game Night, your bi-weekly podcast for all things board and card game. My name is Jordan Roman, and I shall be your host this evening. Sadly, it is another rainy, stormy night. No friends to come over, but fortunately, I am once again not short on games to play. This time, we have a game that was, to me, very eye-catching, very aesthetically pleasing, just from the box art alone. We are talking, of course, about Sagrada. Now, the reason I wanted to do Sagrada, which, for those of you who may not have seen it, it is a game where it you're basically trying to make a sort of stained glass window art type deal. And even from the box art, it is all of these amazing stained glass works of art that it's truly breathtaking to behold. And that's just from the outside of the box. Once you get inside, the, the pieces themselves are very nice. The little game boards that you have are made of good resilient cardboard. The stock of the cards that are in there is very nice. It's a very well-crafted game, and so I had a very good feeling about this one, and so I decided to go ahead and pick it up. This game was actually first created back in 2017 and is made by Floodgate Games. Sagrada was made by Adrian Adamascu and Daryl Andrews, and the art and illustration was done by Peter Walken. Now, since the game first came out, it has gotten a few additional expansions, including the Life expansion, the Passion expansion, and this game is normally one to four players, but there is now an expansion to allow for a fifth and sixth player. This game has been generally viewed pretty well amongst the public, getting about an 8 out of 10, and being nominated for multiple awards, including Golden Geek, Cardboard Republic, and Origins Awards, while also winning IGN's Best Board Game of 2017, and getting into Popular Mechanics' Top 50 Best New Games of 2017. So, needless to say, I think it's safe to say that most people who have played this game think it's pretty fun. And, of course, the reason I am talking about this one is not because of how the game is perceived in groups, but how it holds up by itself. Because this game, yes, does have a single-player mode. So, let's talk about, now that we've gotten past the general overview of how people feel about the game and why it caught my attention, how do you actually play Sagrada? So... As I said, there's a lot of different parts to this one. You have your game board, which is made to look like a blank stained glass window that one might find in a cathedral. And then there there are four of these, so you would just pick one. And then there are several mosaic cards. You pick them out at random um, in, be it a single or double, well, I guess in a single player, it doesn't really matter, but... I don't know, I, I found it more fun to stick with the rules as written for this one, in which you will have two randomly selected game cards, and then you pick one from them. Each card is front and back, so you have your choice of four potential things to do. Each one of them will have a specific um, like difficulty listed on it for how hard it is to do. Now, on each of these cards, there's going to be three different kinds of spaces. There's going to be either blank, colored, or one that has like a 
dot number on it for like one through six. And that is because this game is largely played with dice, but we'll get to that one in a second. After you've selected your game board, uh, the player will then to themselves deal out two private and public objective cards at random. And then your choice of one to five ability cards. The more you pick, the easier the game becomes. From there, you will take out five different colors of dice and you will put them all in the dice bag and then shake it on up. You will then pull two dice from the bag and normally the way this would work in a multiplayer game is everyone would take turns pulling dice from the bag and then it would go in a clockwise order until the last person and then it would reverse starting from the person who had just taken their turn and go counterclockwise all the way back and you would just repeat this a number of times i believe 10 yes you would repeat this 10 times until the game is completed now when one takes their turn uh well for multiplayer there's multiple dice that you you, you take a different amount of dice than when single player but for single player you will pull out four dice and then immediately take two turns for a turn you may either take one of the dice from your dice pool and put it in an appropriate space you may use a power or one of your ability cards normally that would cost a different resource than there is for multiplayer they have like these little like tokens that you'll use to keep track of that but in this case, you'll just use a die of the corresponding color for that ability, or you can just do nothing and pass. All your remaining die are then placed at the round counter that you have as its own separate piece. After 10 rounds, you need to be able to beat the goal score, which is the sum total of all of the dice used to track your rounds. So the way it's going to work is that when you have your dice pool, in order to put one on, since the dice will be pre-rolled in your pool, you take a die that either has the associated number on a piece, the associated color on a piece, or you can put any die in a blank spot, and then you want to try and fill out as much as you can. You gain points for how close you were on it. Your private and public objective cards are going to determine how many points you're able to get. I believe you can only have one private card active, but you can use both public cards. And because they're pre-rolled, you're going to be putting each of the die that you have. Typically, you'll have about two die and put them back at the counter. And then whatever is on them is going to add up to your goal score that you need to beat. So... With all that in mind, I thoroughly enjoyed playing this game. It is unbelievably fun trying to be strategic with what die goes where and trying to make sure that you give yourself the best possible chance of beating the goal score. Now, to give you a little bit of insight as to what my own personal experience with this was, I played two games by myself. The first one... I largely didn't fully understand what I was doing. It wasn't until about halfway through that I fully realized what I was even attempting to do. Because you have so many different objectives that you need to meet, the way that you try and build out your board is going to vary wildly. You would think that the more difficult thing would be to fill in the 
spaces that have to be filled in with a certain thing, be it color or, as it refers to it, shade, but number value. But the white spaces are actually the trickiest part, because those are the things that you need to make sure, those are basically the parts where you can apply the strategy to. You have a certain amount of levity you with the other ones, but those blank spaces are whatever you need them to be, or whatever you can afford them to be. It's really interesting trying to balance that one out. Plus, you also need to bear in mind what your objectives are, because that's how you get the points. So there are some, like, for each pair of certain values, like low values, high values, or mid values, or pairs of colors, or having rows with no matching colors or values, things like that, where you need to apply that stuff into your strategy. And for me, this really shown in the second game that I played where I did actually lose because I this was just pure coincidence, but it happened to come out to one of the hardest things I've ever had to try and figure out how to do, which was I had an objective card for low, uh, low shades or low number values, which unfortunately for me meant that I was mostly trying to put low values on my board, and then the higher values kept going into the goal score, which meant I had a higher goal score I needed to beat because there were larger numbers adding into the sum. And it was very intense as I went along. It was a lot of fun trying to figure all that out. I, I'm a very strategic person by nature, so I love trying to find the best possible solution for that, try and see how many steps ahead I can figure out what my game plan is going to be. It was very enjoyable trying to figure all of that out. Plus, since I am a huge D&D advocate, I thoroughly enjoyed getting to play with all of the colorful dice and put them into the little pieces, trying to make the numbers work as best as I can. It It's a very fun game, and it definitely requires a lot more thought than you would imagine. Now, because of this, I can also see this being extremely fun with other people, because then you're just trying to get the highest point value. But if there's this much strategy involved with just doing single player, I can only imagine what it's like having to compete against other people rather than just the objectives of the game and how well that may work in your favor. It's it's really an enjoyable game, and I it may be one that I bust out more regularly, just if I find myself needing some sort of a little puzzle teaser, I can definitely see this being something that I just have fun with every once in a while. It's I really need to hand it off to Floodgate Games. They, they really did make a fantastic game here. I'll probably end up getting the expansions for it because I just thoroughly enjoyed it that much. I, th- I think the part of it that really does stand out, though, is the progression of it because as you keep going in the game it doesn't start off that bad it starts off pretty straightforward but you eventually as you get to the later rounds it becomes more and more difficult because you have less you have less spaces to work around and that's when you start to see just how clutch it really is there's also the aspect of the ability cards which i forgot to mention a while back the ability cards add a whole other level of strategy because they can do things like re-roll the dice to give you different values or allow you to move pieces on your board that you realize aren't working out the way that you thought they were 
And on top of that, they also let you get rid of die because you need to use a die in order to activate that ability. And so that's one less die adding up to the goal score that you then need to beat. The catch is that you can only use each ability once. So once you use that ability, it's gone from the game. So there's a part of it where you want to use as many of the abilities as you can, but then you also won't always be able to. So it it's just a whole... It's so many things moving at once in a way that comes together perfectly. There really doesn't feel like there's anything horribly out of place with this, and the game just works exceedingly well. I, I love this game to death. It is easily one of my favorite single-player games, and... I, I think that's really all I have to say about it. I, I'd love to play this game with other people too, but at the very least, I know I can have fun with this one on solo rainy nights. But that's just my opinion. If anyone out there has played it, what do you think about it? And if you haven't, has this gotten your interest into potentially trying out a new game? Let me know what you guys think on my social medias. You can follow me on Facebook at Family Game Night Podcast or on my Twitter at Family Game Night 2, that's Family Game Night, get rid of the T on night, and add the number 2. I will be posting up my next episode in a couple of weeks with another guest. And until then, I will catch you all at the next Family Game Night. Mm-hmm.